Welcome. Come on. Good morning, everyone. There we go. Some of y'all are still sleeping. Come on, let's try that again. Good morning. Well, awesome. My name is Austin Fontenot, and I have the, the pleasure of sharing the word this morning. Uh, one thing I love about worship is that how it just prepares our hearts to receive what God is trying to deposit in us. Amen. Can we just give it up for the worship team and for God this morning? Come on. Well, guys, I just want to give a quick shout out to our first time or second time guests this morning. We are delighted that you joined us today. You know, here at Luminous, we hope, our hope is that you, we can help you see Jesus and make a difference. Amen. So today we celebrate Palm Sunday, which marks the beginning of Holy Week. This is where Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem to later be betrayed, to later, later be put to death. And a week from today, we'll celebrate his res resurrection, proving that he was God. And there's a, a lot of emotion that is going behind this moment in biblical history. And I think there's a lot of emotion for us even today. But before we can go and celebrate what's going to happen next week, I think we need to look at the series of events that led up to our salvation. Turn with me to Matthew 21, verse 1 through 11. This is going to be our theme text this morning. I'll give you a couple minutes as we get there. All right, Matthew 21, verse 1, and this is what it says. It says, now, everyone say now. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bufage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Until un untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them on their cloaks and sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of the message is not going back. And the thought and idea that I would hope to explore, that I want to explore, is this, is that don't go back on tomorrow's promises for today's comforts. Let me repeat that. Don't go back on tomorrow's promises for today's comforts. I hope to highlight three observations from my main text. The first is not going back on his calling. The second, not going back on his word. And lastly, not going back on our faith. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you that you remain the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
God, we are, are so thankful of all that you've done that you never go back on your promises, that you never go back on what you said you were going to do. Help us this morning as we read your text to continue to be faithful to what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this weekend, I, I had the privilege to actually go to, you know, to the Battle of the Flowers Parade. Earlier this morning, uh, Alyssa Jobea was sharing as I have all these years of living in San Antonio, she's never actually participated in Fiesta. And I, like her, is, I'm guilty of that. You know, I've been here for almost 12 years as well. And it was like my wife had to plead with me to say, hey, can we finally just go and check it out? You know, so I can officially say that I'm now in a San Antonian by now participating in the parade. And what was so great is that, like, my wife has gone, like, for many years growing up. Her mom, her grandparents have been in the parade, and this has been a part of their tradition year after year until she met me. You know, so I'm like the party pooper, right? Like, I'm, I'm just like what Alyssa Jobert mentioned earlier. Like, I don't really like crowds. It's like, man, I got, I'm thinking about the logistics, the traffic, like everything else. Like, man, it's going to be hot. I mean, people are not going to be wearing deodorant. Like, all these different things are happening in the midst when there's tons of people around. And, and this is the thing. Like, she was talking about all, like, how great it was. Like, it kind of built some anticipation inside of me, right? I'm like, all right, man, I, okay, I'm trying to hype myself up. And I, as we were walking blocks, you know, blocks, uh, and it's a little warm. And as we walk these blocks with a cooler, uh, I just start seeing streets. The streets are filled with people looking for the perfect spot, you know, as they're waiting for the procession to, to begin. And then they're starting to cheer with excitement and crowds, and they're just super excited. And once it started, they started screaming, Viva! Fiesta! Come on, there you go. Viva! All right, they start screaming that, and some of them will start screaming, show us your shoes. Show us your shoes to the duchesses of Fiesta. And I'm, like, getting, like, really just learning more about the culture of Fiesta and the battle of the flowers. And as I'm sitting there and seeing all the people around us, and as they're excited with anticipation, waiting for these floats and the duchesses to come by, I couldn't, I just stopped to think. This is, this is what I imagined a triumphal entry to be like. Crowds of people awaiting with anticipation the coming of the Messiah, the person they've been waiting for centuries to come, and here he comes. See, this, this moment in, in biblical history was, is one of the few moments that are actually recorded by all four Gospels. This is a moment that would literally change the entire world, this moment where the revealing of the Messiah would come. See, at this point, Jesus and disciples have nearly completed their long journey from the, the region of Galilee to Jerusalem. They have not traveled the last leg of Jericho to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, not far from Jerusalem gates. And it's very important to point out this, this fact that the Mount of Olives is very important place in Jesus' last week. This mount would serve as his home base until he was betrayed, until he was arrested. As we look at, at our first point, not going back on his calling. This is how I would, in short, describe or define calling. It's an invitation through Jesus' obedience 
for us to be on mission with God. It's doing things with God for God. Let's look at verse 1 in Matthew. It says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples. See, Matthew here, he's emphasizing that there is something special about this moment in verse 1. We can easily just overlook what's happening, but it's something special. These words, now, when, reveals that there's a turning of events, that there's something is shifting, that something is changing. This is the moment before he's unveiling as Messiah, the one who would save the Jews and become the king. This was Jesus' calling. See, there have been talks, there have been speculation and rumors, and up to this point in Jesus' ministry, he did everything possible to discourage people from publicly celebrating him as Messiah. Verse 2 says, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied up with a colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. See, in this very moment, Jesus is actually revealing a, a, this really his deity, displaying that he's omniscient, his, his foreknowledge. He has foreknowledge knowing what was about to happen. No man could just know that there's going to be a donkey tied up at this place. He no man could know the response of the person that they were going to request the donkey from. He is all-knowing. He is God. And because he is all-knowing, he already knew exactly what was going to come in the following days. The betrayal, the, the abandonment, the, the cross that he would bear for the sins of the world. This, what he, this is what he was called to do. Church, this morning, I want to let you know this, that calling and comfort can't coincide because it costs you something. It costs you something. And for Jesus, it was his life. For us, it's our time, talents, and treasure like Pastor Ben preached in the last, the following weeks. And I don't think that there's a lack of awareness on whether God wants to use you or not. Because he does. He does. But I think what's preventing us from walking out our calling is our desire to remain comfortable. Church, how do you know if you're becoming comfortable in your faith? How do you know when you, when you get to this place of just being complacent, when there's lack of commitment? You know when you only start celebrating what you did for the kingdom versus what you're doing. See, I, I used to serve at church once, you know, it was, and it was good. Like, I went to life group, and I, I kind of led a little bit, too, here and there. I discipled this person, you know, and that person a while back. See, church, the Lord is calling some of you to start serving here at Luminous. But that would cost you waking up a little earlier than when you're used to. He's calling others to, to actually lead a life group that would cause you to really spend more time in growing in the Lord. He's calling some of you to be held accountable through godly relationships. And as Easter approaches next week, he's calling many of us to just invite someone to our Easter service. Just invite someone to our Easter service. 
to after service, we will have flyers so you can invite people. And this is a quote by Pastor Samuel Rodriguez, and it says this. It says, today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. That today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. See, the only reason why we have a calling is because of Jesus' obedience. Being far from, removed from comfort as he was, he did not go back on his calling. See, the second gift that we get aside from salvation is being able to do things with God. We can't allow our comfort to hold us hostage. Don't go back on tomorrow's promises for today's comforts. Secondly, not going back on his word. Verses 4 and 5 in Matthew 21 reads this. It says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. See, Jesus' life was aligned with the prophetic word. Everything that was predicted about the coming of the Messiah came to pass in what Jesus said and also what he did. So we observed that Jesus had knowledge of the events that were going to happen he knew exactly the precise moment when he was supposed to reveal himself as Messiah in Jerusalem. And Zechariah prophesied this, that this would happen. Zechariah 9, 9 says this. It says, the coming of Zion. It says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. Is he humbled and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey? See, this was written 500 years before Jesus was even born. See, one scholar, J. Barton Payne, says this. He says that Jesus fulfilled at least 300 prophecies in his earthly ministry. See, for us, this isn't a big deal because we have, we have Google, we have commentaries to, to verify this. We have the completed canon of Scripture. But to his disciples, to the Jews, and to the people of that time, this was a huge deal. This was liberation. This was an answered prayer. This was God coming through on his word. See, Numbers 23, 19 reads this. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Some of you this morning needs to be reminded of this, that his word does not come back void. That his word does not come back void. The promises he made to you, the things that he's spoken to you, if he said it, he will fulfill it. This is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He will do it. And he will not go back on his word. Church, can we give a praise to the God, the King of glory, to the one who keeps his promises? Hallelujah. Praise God. And as I'm thinking about God and his word, and as he fulfills his promises, I, I'm thinking about what he's done in my life. As God has spoken to me in 2011, told me to move to San Antonio and said, all I had was a word from God, and he said, start a campus ministry. And we saw that come to pass. A semester later, we had a handful of students. The Lord said that he will plant his church through our ministry. We prayed. We believed 
that would happen, that one day we'll have a church and a pastor. Two years later, March of 2014, we saw that come to pass. In 2017, after almost three years of being in the Regal Theater in Hubner Oaks, we were like, man, Lord, we, we want to have a location, a place that people could, could come to, a building that we can rent. And we saw that come to pass. 2021, I was eating dinner with some friends, and we were talking about just like what God is doing in our church and through Luminous, and I was just sharing with them that we're believing from some land right there on chicken and pickle, and they were like, man, God, God said, this is your land. I remember it vividly, and we were celebrating. I remember driving home crying, but my gosh, Lord God, we pray and believe that this is our land. And now in 2022, after years of praying and believing that God will provide land for Luminous Church, we are seeing that come to pass. He is faithful. He will not go back on his word. There have been over 7,000 promises found from God to man in the Bible. Over 7,000 promises. I don't know about you, but this means, this just really shows me how much God is for you. How much God is for us. How much God loves his people. Here's just a couple of them. One, God is faithful, Hebrews 10, 23. God designed me for a purpose, Ephesians 2, 10. God gives me power for my life, 2 Timothy 1.7. God gives me rest, Matthew 11.28. God gives me peace, Philippians 4.6-7. through 7. God works for my good, Romans 8.28. And God is for me, Romans 8.31. He is faithful, so don't go back on tomorrow's promises and today's comforts. He is faithful. Lastly, not going back on our faith. As we read in, in Matthew 21, 9 through 11, it says that the crowds went before him and they followed him. And they were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. The original Palm Sunday would have been transpired in a time of tremendous conflictions of emotions, pressure on the systems of government, pressure on even Jesus, on who he is. People saw Jesus as the fulfillment of their hopes. See, what's clear is that the people knew the procession had some major significance. They knew Jesus was king. They just didn't know what was going to happen after the triumphal entry. See, they thought that he was coming for the, his coronation, but they misunderstood how the king would actually come and rule. See, they, they misread the, the suffering servant passage that was written about him in Isaiah 53, 4 and 6. that says this, it says, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We are like sheep who have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all.
their expectations were not met. See, Jesus rode in into the city. He rode in, looked in the temple, looked around, and then he left. See, this moment, it was so anticlimactic. For the Jews, they were filled with confusion and disappointment. They're expecting this, their hero to come to save them, to conquer them, to, to save them, to conquer and free them from Roman rule. But when he didn't line up to what they thought the king would come and do, they became the sheep who went astray. They were the ones shouting, crucify him. When a week prior, they were lying down their palms for his entry. They, with their unmet expectations, went back on their faith. See, the possibility of being disappointed is so, so uncomfortable. To the point that sometimes it's easier for us to say, like, hey, like, man, I believe in God. Like, that's great. Or I'm just going to continue to do what I'm used to doing. And I love this. In James 2.19, James was Jesus' brother who, who didn't believe in, in Christ until after the resurrection. And he says this. He says, you believe in one God. Man, that's good. That is good. Pat yourself on the shoulder. That's good. But even the demons believe and shudder. See, God is calling us to faith beyond belief. A faith that goes on mission with God, for God. Church, this morning, what unmet expectations, what disappointment are hindering you, hindering your faith and keeping you from going on mission with God? What's that thing that's, that's stifling you? I know for some of my college students, it, it's their bed. It's, it's as simple as that. It's just their bed. And secondly, are you willing to surrender that to him this morning? See, don't go back on tomorrow's promises for today's comforts. Here's a quote by Augustus, and he says this. He says, when Christ entered into Jerusalem, the people spread garments in the way. When he enters into our hearts, we pull off our own righteousness and not lay, lay it under Christ's feet, but even trample upon it ourselves. See, Jesus did not go back on his calling. Jesus did not go back on his word. And because of that, he's proven himself faithful. He proved himself king, the Messiah, the one who came to save. Because of that, it allows us for, not, for us to not go back on our faith. You have a choice this morning to make. Would y'all stand with me? And this is your choice. Our choice is this, is that either to choose purpose to the calling that God has given us or choose comfort. But you can't choose both. You can't choose both. Before we take communion, this is an opportunity for you to get right with God. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, 28. And this is important as we are reflecting upon what God has done, what Jesus has done in his life, death, and resurrection. It says, let, every, let a person examine himself. Then, and so eat the bread and drink of the cup. 
And we want to spend a, a moment just examining ourselves and asking God, is there anything I need to surrender that's preventing me from walking in the calling in which you've given me? I know what you've said. And this is where we really cry out to God, the same way we cry out to him as Savior. This is where we cry out to God and said, help me. And God is faithful that he will sustain me. See, some of you in here have realized that the relationship is not where it's supposed to be. And this is where I want to invite you to repent to the Lord this morning, saying that, that I want to go on mission with you, God, for you. Not for myself, not for my glory, but for your kingdom, for your glory. And as they play, I just want you to reflect by the Holy Spirit to minister to your heart. And we want to bring that to the Lord this morning. Because God does not want to leave you the same. He came on this earth to bring transformation into your life, to bring hope in your life. As we prepare for communion, I, feel, I believe that you know, our ushers may be passing out some additional, um, additional bread and, and juice in order for you to take, partake in communion. And this is the thing about communion. Communion is one of the ways we gather to express gratitude. We express gratitude for what Jesus did on our behalf. And this is what it says in, in 1 Corinthians 11, 23, 26, as they were preparing for communion. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. At this time you may take the bread. Verse 25, in the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup, it's a new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. At this time, you may take the cup. Verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread, and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As this song plays, just continue to worship God. As he's king, as he has not gone back on his calling, he's not gone back on his word, he's faithful. Lord Jesus, we understand that we are guilty, and, if, and we should be the one hanging on the tree. But you took our place. And we're so thankful this morning. We thank you for all that you've done, proving the love that, that you have for us, that you sent your son to die for us, that you are the cure, you are the redemption, and how beautiful and glorious are you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.